All right, good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. I know what you're all thinking. Is this going to be the day that we make it through an entire lesson? And it probably won't be. But if we ever have a chance, I think it's today. So anyway, we're, I guess this is, I think, the sixth week. We're continuing to go through lessons from Capitol Hill Baptist Church on how to grow as a Christian. And as alluded to in our opening prayer, this week is about confession, confession of sin. So we're going to talk about the role that confession plays in our Christian life and growth. To frame our discussion, first, we need to recognize that in the Bible, confession has two primary meanings. So could someone please turn to Hebrews 3 and read verse 1, and then could I also have someone go to Romans 10 to read verse 9 and 10? So wait, who has Hebrews 3? Okay, you got Hebrews 3, and then could you do Romans Romans 10, 9 through 10? And then could somebody get Philippians 2, 10 and 11? Thank you, Noah. Hey, all right. And then go ahead and in that order, you can read, starting with uh, Hebrews. Therefore, holy brothers, you, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Thank you. Just a Yeah, I'll be great. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every time will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you guys. So in these verses, like what what would you how is how is confess? being used. And it's not exactly the same in each of those verses, but still generally, how, how would you guys say how is confession being used? Yeah. I guess less than bringing your sins and more like a confession of your faith. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Profession of faith. A declaration of faith in Christ or a declaration of uh, submission to God. Um, yeah. Anyone else want to add anything? Okay. And I think it's interesting. Yeah. Maybe that, that's probably even, at least in, I was trying to survey a little bit and I didn't, I didn't get very far, but it seems like that is at least, especially for the apostle John, that is usually the sense that he uses the word for confession. Um, so like in, 1 John 2, he says, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Um, in the Gospel of John, if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he, if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So again, it's a declaration of faith there. Um, but now, what, the, what we're more going to focus on uh, today is the sense that maybe most of us thought of when we first heard confession, and that is acknowledging our guilt, acknowledging our sin before God. So could someone please look up Leviticus 5.5? This is the first time, I think, that the Bible uses um, the word for confess, or yeah, first time at least that it's translated as confess. Who could read Leviticus 5.5? And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. Awesome. So, confession. And I believe is in Leviticus, that would be, would that be referring to confession to God or to like the priest? Do you know? Yes, to, to the priest as representative of God. So I mean, okay. he's confessing this into God. He's confessing through, to, the, to the priest. Okay, through the mediation of the priest. Right, Okay. Exactly. Awesome. Um, okay, good. 
and along with it, you see there's a sacrifice that he's, he's presenting. Like the whole, it's it's a whole thing, isn't it? He's just saying something, but he's brought a, a sacrifice to make atonement for this sin. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, it's not an empty confession. It's not mere words, but literally bringing a sacrifice to the priest. Yeah, that's good. The priest as a representative of God, as a mediator. And one of the things that's so powerful about this passage is that you see how much every single sin has a consequence. It, there's a price for every single sin mm-hmm. it must be atoned for. Every single sin requires blood. Mm. And that really is, is powerful when you think about it. Every single one of our sins requires the blood of sacrifice. And so mm. thanks, thanks be God for Christ. Mm. Yeah, amen. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, so next we want to talk about how true confession, true confession results in forgiveness because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, the, the first verse that probably comes to mind is 1 John 1, 8 through 9. Could someone please um, read that for us? And then I'll, I'll read verse 10 too. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Yeah, so we see confession of sin is, is crucial and it's, it's definitional to being a Christian. Like the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian isn't like one, one sins and one doesn't. It's that the Christian recognizes they've been given a new heart and therefore recognizes their desperate need for God's forgiveness. We recognize that apart from Christ, we have absolutely no hope to stand before a holy God. We deserve hell. That's all we bring to the table is, is the sin that makes our salvation necessary. And so that is, that is the, yeah, definitional to saving faith is we confess our sins and then we receive Christ and we rest on Christ knowing that, that because of his person and work, we can be reconciled to God. So now I want to I wanna talk a little bit more about the basis for our forgiveness. Like what is the basis that we can have forgiveness and assurance as, as we confess our sins, as, as we have a mediator in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to, to talk more about the basis for our forgiveness, let's turn to Romans 3, 23 to 26. And I swear I'm not trying to steal Pastor Ron's thunder, uh, but we're going to go to Romans 3. It's going to be several months before we get to chapter 3 anyway. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a year. Maybe, Maybe a year. <laughs> yeah. So you guys will have forgotten about all of this. By the way. All right. So... Some commentators have called this paragraph uh, in Romans 3 the most important paragraph ever written. And I don't know if we necessarily need to rank sections of God's word because it's all, it's all God-breathed, but it is a very, very rich passage. So um, who can read 3, 23 to 26? Awesome, you got it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Mm. So good. Okay. So there are definitely many other texts we could have gone to here, but from Romans 3, what we just read, how does God forgive us? What is the basis for our forgiveness? 
There's multiple things you can say. That's a free gift. Yeah, free gift. Yeah. Anyone want to add on? Or do you yeah, want to? We don't deserve it. We didn't like earn it. Yeah. It's just it's there's not like we merited it on our own. Yeah. Our own righteousness. Mm-hmm. Amen. He forgives our sins by punishing them on Christ. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there's no more condemnation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was able to pass over former sins only because Christ in the fullness of time would die as a propitiation, a wrath-bearing sacrifice for our sin. Yeah. I think... What I love about this passage is you kind of get three of the solas. We see that we are justified by grace through faith in Christ. Um, so we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And then later in 26... It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So I love that. Anyone else want to add anything before we go on? Um, the, the mental picture it always gives me is, is in Colossians 2.14. It's nailed mm. to the cross. That, that the list, the volumes of lists. Mm. And, and he did that and willingly and gladly for me and it's nailed to the cross. Mm. Done. Yeah. Finished. Yeah, amen. And so we, we need to return to this. Like we don't want to just talk about confession and forgiveness without remembering what is the basis for our forgiveness. And it's it's um, helpful too to see that the two meanings of confession are linked. The two meanings we just talked about. The confession of sin is necessary to receive the forgiveness of God and that forgiveness is only possible if we also confess Christ. Um, So, in sum, forgiveness is offered to us by God on the sole ground of the perfect life, the atoning death, and the victorious resurrection of his incarnate son. The perfect life that we can never live, the atoning death, the death that we deserve, his victorious resurrection, defeating death, so that in him we could also overcome the last enemy. And it's all because Jesus is fully man, fully God. He needed to be both in order for our salvation to be possible. So that, that is the basis of our forgiveness. Um, all right. So want to want to move on and you'll see it in your notes we're going to talk about now that confession true confession of course must be accompanied by repentance and i think we already broached this when chris was pointing out that in leviticus 5 5 it's not merely this confession in your heart um, to god it's a confession to god through the mediation of the priest and it comes with a sacrifice being offered um, and so true confession is, is not just words. It, it comes with repentance, a desire to turn from our sin and to walk in obedience by the power of the, of the Spirit that God has given to us. Um, so just to, just to make this connection, uh, to see this connection in at least one place in Scripture, um, I'm going to read Acts 3.19. Um, in Acts 3.19 it says, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come for the presence, from the presence of the Lord. So right here, and this, this happens multiple times in Acts, but um, faith in Christ, repentance, baptism, they're all linked at different times, but um, they, repentance is to go with um, confession of sin, uh, repentance, um, for, forgiveness is accompanied by repentance. Um, Can anyone think of any examples when they've seen like a very empty confession of sin? Um, 
or it could be even an example from your own life, like a time where it's like, okay, clearly that person's confession was not, was not meaningful, was not, there was no intention to live differently. We probably all think at times. I have a silly example, but I think it's pretty well, like when you're working with the kids mm-hmm. and they sin against each other and you tell them they have to apologize. Mm-hmm. That's, they, don't, they don't mean it. Right. Yeah. They especially don't mean it when they're like, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm so. sorry until mom's not looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, another one is, is when you'll, uh, you'll hear people say something like, I'm sorry if you were offended. Oh, yes. And it's yes. obvious there's no true repentance there. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're more like they're irritated that you're upset yeah. rather than that they have actually hurt you. Yeah. Um, and, and that, I think, <laughs> another one that uh, I've, I've run across the past year with, with freshmen <laughs> is, I'm sorry if you thought I, like, no, no, oh, yes. not, uh, <laughs> yeah. there was one time there was a, a group who were pranking each other, and one of them said, I'm sorry if you thought, I was like, no, that's not a true apology, come on. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Was it Nolan? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was Cooper. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's too, good. I think too of like in marriage, if like one spouse gets upset with the other, and then the other spouse says, just like really quickly, "I'm sorry," like, well, you know, it's not. You're just sorry that they got upset, not truly sorry, maybe for what you did or something. Customer service, they're blasting you on the phone, and you just, you know, I'm yeah. sorry that happened. And you know, like, it's not you're, you're really upset for them, you just please go away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh man, yeah, those are all really good examples. Yeah, I think, I think of like, yeah, it's like, well, you're saying you're sorry, but you're basically saying, I'm sorry that you're so fragile, or I'm sorry that you're such a snowflake that you got offended, and yeah, that's never good. Um, and then in scripture, I think about the guy saying, um, I thank you, Lord, that I. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that is such a, that's such a, yeah, I mean, I I think that, that um, example from scripture is so, so uh, convicting because it's so easy to, to be like, wow, I can't believe that Pharisee. And then we end up basically praying, God, I thank you that I'm not like that Pharisee and doing the exact same thing that he was doing. Um, When he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Um, so yeah, that's really all really good examples. So now we're going to go on to talk about to whom and what should we confess. So let's turn to Psalm 51. Could I please have someone read Psalm 51 verses one through four? We're going to especially be looking at verse four. Who can read Psalm 51, 1 through 4? Thanks, Cooper. You said 1 through 4, right? Yeah. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words, and blameless in your judgment. Mm. Thank you. So, who is David confessing to here? Yes. Against you, you only have I sinned. And yet, who can remind us of the context of this psalm? Like, what had, what had been going on in David's life? Adultery and murder. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how striking that David had just taken a man's wife, had him killed, and yet he says against you and you only have I sinned. I don't, I don't think that means that he didn't, <clears throat> I don't think we need to interpret that in such a wooden way as to say he didn't also sin against Uriah and Bathsheba, but the point being that it is ultimately, it is ultimately against God. Mm-hmm. The, our holy creator to whom 
we owe all obedience and worship that we sin against anytime we sin, even when the sin also affects others. So that is just a, a powerful example of that. <clears throat> so when the Bible speaks of sin, of course, it's not wrongdoing in abstract terms. It's not subjective. It's not, oh, whatever the culture thinks is wrong at that point in time. Instead, sin is, is against a perfectly holy God and his perfectly holy law. It's not just doing something wrong. It's, it's rebellion and treachery against God in whose image we were created. And sin is also always like a form of self-worship. It's a form of going our own way, living for ourselves rather than living for the one who is worthy of all of our praise. But I think often we have a problem being honest with God about our sins. And we get so good at concealing our sins from others, especially sins in our thought life, that we sometimes, I think, can maybe subconsciously think that we can even conceal them from God from God himself. And so <clears throat> when we read in Genesis 3, we might, you know, kind of say, wow, look at Adam and Eve. They thought they could hide from God among the trees of the garden. But I just want to point out that in, in our own way, we, mm-hmm. we also make pathetic attempts to conceal sin yeah. from God. So... When we refuse to confess our sins to him and to others, we put out an image uh, that we put out one image in public, but then we're different in our, in our heart or in our, in our private life. When we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, in effect, we're hiding behind this, this fantasy image of ourselves, this false image of ourselves that we've created and, and are, in a sense, trying to hide from God. Cross-reference on Psalm 51.4 is, um, Pastor touched on it mm. back in the Hosea series, 7.2, Hosea 7.2. And they do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their deeds are all around them. They are before my face. Mm. That's, that's even more emphatic than Psalm 51.4. Mm. Wow. There's no hiding. There's, yeah. There's not a fig leaf there that you yeah. can find. Before my face. Is that what it said at the end? Yeah. Before, wow. Thank you for sharing that, Roger. Yeah. Yeah. And related to that, um, Hebrews 4, 13. Um, I, I, like, I like your, I think your verse is even more helpful, but Hebrews 4, 13 saying, reminding us that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So nothing is hidden from God right now, and one day, everything about us will be laid bare. Hypocrisy will be exposed, so let us use that truth to fight now, to put to death the hypocrisy in our lives. Because none of us, this side of heaven, are perfect in this. We could be more hypocritical or less hypocritical, but we've got to put this to death. Um, to confess to God and confess to others the truth about ourselves and receive grace from God through Christ and receive the grace from others who understand, hey, yeah, I get it. I struggle with the same things. I'm a sinner just like you. That's a powerful thing to experience in the body of Christ. All right. So not only do we confess to God, but we should confess to others our sins against them. The Bible places great importance on maintaining right relationships with our fellow men and women. It teaches that a right relationship with God is impossible without having right relationships with our brothers and sisters. So could someone please read Matthew 5, 23 through 24 to highlight this? Who's got Matthew 5, 23 to 24? Yeah, that is, that is really powerful because, you know, I, you could almost picture yourself trying to justify it like, oh, like, I'll offer my gift now and, and be reconciled later. 
But it's like, it's saying, no, it's so crucial that you need to first just, just leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled. Um, so that, that's convicting to me because I think I don't, I don't place that kind of weight on this reconciliation to, to other Christians that I should. So confessing our sins against others is required by Scripture. And then we also, we want to confess our sins to the church, confess our sins with the church. There's going to be several ways of doing this that we're going to talk about. One is participating in congregational prayers of confession. So in our corporate worship, we, we want to collectively confess to God and to one another both our sins of commission and our sins of omission. Sins of omission are when we fail to do the things that we should do, and sins of commission are when we do things that we should not have done. And we want to confess our, our sin, both kinds of these sins, not just in our actions, but also in our words and in our thoughts. We confess our sins in thought, word, and deed. And so... This is a practice that should form and shape us week in and week out to be believers who remain humble by our sin, are remaining sin and corruption, and grateful for the assurance of forgiveness that we have in Christ. And so, as you guys have probably noticed, Pastor Desmond is, you know, he both kind of leads us corporately in confession of sin in the opening prayer. And he also has been giving us a chance, at least a, a little bit of time, to silently confess specific <laughs> sins to God. I wish he'd give us a little bit more time. But, um, we're sort of just like halfway in. Before. Wait, sorry, what did you say? We're sort of just like halfway into the confession. Yes, I'm like, I'm like just like barely getting my thoughts straight. And right. it's like, all right, we're done. So I have a lot of sin to confess. So. Also, um, the, the, period and the period of time before the supper, because we're supposed to examine ourselves and Thankfully, yeah. this church does give you some quiet space for that. I've been in other churches, the band and the choir, and everybody's level 10 and uh, yeah. during the supper. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like lost in the fog machine? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good. We're hopefully going to have a, um, some time to mention that later. Um, so, yeah, uh, confession of sin is something that, that is so important to do as a church week in and week out. Um, another, another way we confess is confessing to the church when we are baptized. So Mark 1, 4 through 5, talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So baptism, and this is another example where we see both senses of confession. In baptism, we are confessing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our desire to, to seek to obey him in all things. And we are confessing our sins. We're confessing our need of a savior. We're confessing that our only hope is him. Next, <clears throat> we won't spend a ton of time on this unless you guys want to, but obviously... In cases of church discipline, um, both severe cases or if maybe it's just a pastor coming to us with concerns, it is important that we confess our sin. Any questions about church discipline? Or? This repentance is essential to restoration. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The aim of church discipline the ultimate hope is that by the discipline, though hard it may be, the hope is for restoration eventually. And yet that restoration is not possible if there's not credible signs of repentance. So yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, okay. And <clears throat> another, another one is it is very helpful, very wise to confess our sins to another Christian to whom we wish to be accountable. James 5.16 gets at this. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So here, this isn't necessarily saying Christians that we've sinned against, but talking about just a general confession to one another. 
Calvin, Calvin said, I think Calvin put it really well. He said, well, yeah, this is to the point that this kind of accountability, this kind of confession is so helpful to overcoming sin that we're struggling with. And I love what Calvin said. He said, if in your desire to please God, welcome guys. If in your desire to please God, you think confessing to someone else would be helpful, then do so. And I think we can all agree that more often than not, in our desire to obey the Lord, confession to others is helpful. So, hey, welcome, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Um, so, I'll say that again. <clears throat> if, Calvin said, if in your desire to please God, you think confessing to someone else would be helpful, do so. Probably helpful. Nine times out of ten. Confession is not easy. It's, it's difficult to, yeah, confession involves a humbling of ourselves, right? I think that's part of why it's hard. It, we, we are letting someone else more see us as we are. But it's, it's helpful to remember that the church, the church is not a place for people who, who don't sin. The church is like a hospital for needy sinners, hospital for needy sinners who are on their way to glory by the sustaining, preserving grace of God. And so when we remember that, we should be more enabled to confess our sins to one another. And I also want to point out that if, if the Christian that you're confessing to has a healthy understanding of sin, they're not going to re- humiliate you or reject you. They're going to, they're going to understand at least, even if they don't struggle with that specific thing, they'll at least understand their heart well enough to know not for the grace of God, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. And so they will be humble and helpful and compassionate. <clears throat> Could someone please read Galatians 6, 1 through 2? While you're going there, another reason, of course, that confession and this uh, relationship, a close relationship of accountability and confession is so important is that, I hate to break it to you, but we all have blind spots. We all have sin struggles or, uh, yeah, uh, different uh, sinful ways of relating to others or attitudes that we might not see as readily as someone else, be it a spouse or a close brother or sister in Christ. And so that's, we want to receive feedback and and we, we should rejoice when someone helps us see something that we don't see in ourselves. Um. All right, who has Galatians 6, 1 and 2? You got a coup. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Mm. Keep watching yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. What principles do we see here for how we should respond to someone that we see in sin or who confesses to us? What principles do we see here? There's a lot. Well, be gentle first, but then also keep watching yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Like when somebody confesses to you, there's the potential there for you to then be like, well, I would never do that. Yes, yes. Look down on them, or maybe think of, like, elevate yourself or something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well put. That's the temptation. So we've got we've to keep watch on ourselves. Uh, take heed, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Um, yeah. And what else do we see? What other principles for how to relate to one another in this? I think the thing that really stands out about in that passage to me is to bear one another's burdens. Yes, yeah. That we're there for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not mm-hmm. just, okay, you're dealing with this on your own. Sorry. Yeah. It's, no, I'm there for you. I'm mm-hmm. bearing the burden with you as you're struggling with this. And I'm praying yeah. Amen. Yeah, the image, if, if you're helping bear a burden, then you're making that burden lighter for your brother or sister. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that's really good. So bearing burdens, gentleness, humility, where we're keeping watch on ourselves, knowing that we are not above any sin. If not for the grace of God, so go I. So a few, yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, you're saying important to ask, how can I help you in this? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Yeah. How can I help? You know, it, we want to be praying for them. Uh, want to be, you know, checking back in and asking, how can I specifically help? Like, what specific tangible things can I do to bear this burden? Because, um, yeah, depending on whatever, whatever struggle or crisis or whatever it is, there's, there's probably a lot there. And people will probably be like, oh, no, I'm good. But if you press a little bit more, I'm sure, you, I'm sure in most situations we can find, like, tangible ways to help um, alongside our, of course, prayer, continued prayers and accountability and encouragement. Okay, so here's a few words of advice regarding confession to others. One, a lot of our daily non-habitual sins, probably especially in our thought life, um, I don't think we need to feel like those should be handled in confession to God. Um, I don't think otherwise, man, we basically have to have like a three-hour meeting with our accountability partner every day. Uh, Just unload all the craziness. Um, So we don't need to like think of it in that way um another did you have something to say chris you look like you might have uh well just that reminded me of uh story of martin luther i was thinking about that too yeah uh, where he would just be in confession for hours yeah. and hours on end yeah yeah absolutely yeah um here's another thing be thoughtful about what you're confessing beware of confessing something that might make you feel better but actually hurt someone else in the process and so I have a funny example of this. I'm thinking of Addie. Yeah. Can I share that? Yeah. Okay. So like there's just this girl that we were, we were living with her for a little bit. Uh, we were staying with Anna's parents and she was staying with Anna's parents during COVID. And like, I was pregnant. yeah, so Anna was pregnant. So when Anna's pregnant, she has to eat or else she will just puke violently. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that about her, but um, the violent puking must be stopped by eating food. And this girl is just like, like we went to church with her and like, as we were like driving home, she's like, man, I'm so sorry. I just got to confess. Like I have been judging you so much for how much you eat. And it's like, yeah. So that's just a great example of like, it's, it's a very obvious example, but yeah, just be thoughtful because it's possible to confess things in a way or to a person that does not give them grace, does not build them up, um, could even be hurtful, uh, foolish. So I think you guys get it. Um, we'll talk more about who, yeah, about picking an accountability partner and what to look for. Any, any other questions or thoughts or funny examples? Okay. All right, so now we're going to talk about the wisdom of confessing sin. First, confession yields, as we already talked about, forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, we see that in 1 John 1, 9. Um, we need to, to un- bring our sins into the light that we may be healed, um, experience God's forgiveness. If we're in Christ, we have his forgiveness, but there's this experiential, there's still this need to continue to confess and experience his grace. And that's even part of why um, week in and week out as a body, we confess together. And then as, as Pastor Desmond prays, he often uh, thanks the Lord for the assurance of pardon that we have in his word. Um, bringing to mind a specific promise from the scriptures. Um, have you guys caught Pastor Desmond doing that? Mm-hmm. You guys notice what he's doing? not it's okay I'm just, I was just curious because I was thinking like yeah, I wonder if that's hard to catch but um, yeah so Micah 7 I just want to read this to remind ourselves of God's the incredible nature uh, God's character of his merciful nature Micah 7 18 to 19 says who is a God like you pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Of course, this all being possible because of his work in redemptive history through Christ. Next, confession 
don't take this in a prosperity gospel way, but confession enables us to prosper. Could someone please look up Psalm 32, 3 through 5? Psalm 32, 3 through 5. Who can, get, who can read that for us? Proverbs, while, while you're turning there, Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. I think probably all of us have experienced the consequences of refusing to confess our sins to God and others. Um, who, can, who can read Psalm 32, 3 through 5? Awesome. You got it, Amanda. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Hmm. Yeah. So what what do we see here? Like what's what's going on? He ached inside his body when he didn't confess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God's good discipline. <laughs> um, yeah. When he kept silent, <coughs> his bones wasted away. But when he he acknowledged his sin, he did not cover his iniquity, and he says you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So confession is just, it's, it is so important to a healthy, healthy Christian life. Confession can also overcome relational barriers. Confessing our sins against one another should serve to restore a right relationship. I, I think of the dynamics in our marriage. Um, when, when Anna and I are just focused on our own sin and we're both owning it rather than focusing on each other's sin, it goes such a long way towards diffusing conflict. And even like when one of us is doing that, it facilitates the confession and repentance of the other party. Like when Anna's just owning her, her sin, I'm like, like God just uses that so quickly to make me realize like, oh my gosh, no, I've been the idiot. I'm the one who needs to confess and repent way more than you. It's like I, I, it helps me more clearly see the log in my own eye um, rather than the speck in hers. And so when, when we come at each other with accusations, of course, we, we want to get defensive. We're tempted to get defensive, and the conflict usually escalates. But when one of us humbles ourselves, it's usually only a matter of moments before the other also confesses their wrong. Um, Proverbs 51, 51 also talks about a, a gentle word or a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we want to have gentle answers, uh, confessing our sin to one another. It's so crucial in friendship, um, in relationships. So confession can commend the gospel. Um, confessing our sins to another is a powerful testimony of the transforming power of Christ in our lives. Like, it shows us to be tr- people who truly are humbled and believe that we're sinners and believe that our only hope is Christ. We rest in and rely on the sufficiency of our Savior. That, that can be a powerful witness to a watching world. Um, and then, of course, confessing sin to others can help us overcome sin. Bringing sin into the light through confession to God and others helps break its power. Because sin, of course, loves darkness. And it grows. It just grows and festers and malforms when it's when it remains hidden um so it's crucial in our in our fight to overcome different sins to confess um let's see all right we're running out of time unfortunately i was wrong guys i thought there was a chance we would get close um so yeah real quick um Signs of true confession. True confession accompanied by repentance. The desire to put the sin to death. We're not just like confessing so that we can feel better about ourselves and then go back to the sin. That is, whoo, twisted. And that's not, that's not the confession that the Bible talks about. True confession is to be specific. We want to be specific when we confess to God and, um, and specific when we confess to others. 
like, sorry I hurt you, or, you know, that's bad. Um, Want to be more specific than that? True confession includes motives. We want to examine our hearts and dig past the surface because the goal is not to change our behavior on the surface while we're still wed to the same idols deep down. So we want to also ask, you know, okay, what, what's beneath the sin so that we can therefore also confess and repent of, of the heart matters underneath? True confession is accompanied by godly sorrow. It's not a worldly sorrow that's like, ah, oh, I have worldly consequences now for this, and so I'm going to confess, and I'm sad about these worldly consequences. No, it's a, it's a godly, godward sorrow of like, I have sinned against you. You alone have I sinned. I've sinned against my Lord and Savior, my Creator, my loving Father. Um, true confession is made in light of the cross. Recognizing forgiveness is only possible because of Christ's atoning death on the cross. So confession should also lead to a humility and a gratitude, a thankfulness for the mercy of God in Christ. Confession should be ongoing. We, the Christian, it's not like the Christian life is, okay, I repented and believed. I confessed my sins back then like a flu shot. No. The proof that we repented and believed is that we are continuing to repent and believe. We're continuing to walk in it. Obviously not perfectly, falteringly much of the time, but we are continuing to walk in that repentance and faith and that confession of our need (coughs) for Christ. I think one of the biggest motivations for confession of sin to the Lord is the fact that you want to get back to the place where you your relationship with him is is clear and clean and there's nothing between you and the Lord. Mm. Uh, that that sweetness of the relationship with him and the communion with him mm. will always be hindered if if you have that sin that you're clinging to. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and that and that should be our motivation. I don't want anything to keep me mm. from the Lord uh, and my communion with him. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I love how, um, like Paul says in Acts 24, I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. And you're you're absolutely right. Without a clear conscience, we are so hindered in our relationship with our loving Father. Um, Yeah, also, I don't don't even have this in my notes, but like, it would be amiss if if we didn't remember, like, the heavenly intercession of Christ that is going on even now for us. Mm, he is interceding amen. for his people. Um, and we should take great joy and confidence in that as we uh, confess our sins to the Lord. Finally, in our last minute or two, choosing an accountability partner. Um, I think this is on your notes, but we want to you know, look for someone who is clearly uh, shows the ability to handle the word rightly. Um, unless it's your spouse. Oh, this one, I'm, I'm looking at you, RBC <coughs> students. But it should be someone of the same sex, unless it's your spouse. I'm just kidding, RBC students. I, I trust you guys. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, and then also, I love this, is compassionate and has a biblical view of sin. So the person shouldn't be shocked by your sin as if they don't realize themselves to be a sinner, the sinner that they are, but they also shouldn't just smother you in mercy when actually what you need is like a strong rebuke. Um, then finally, someone who listens carefully and, and you know, wants to understand before they just vomit out all their counsel um, and someone who will respect your confidence, treat it with great discretion unless you're breaking the law in which, or um, doing something just harmful and they, they need to bring in the pastors or, or the police. Um, but at least respect your confidence, unless it's an extreme situation like that. So, yeah. Final exhortation, just, I, I encourage you guys to um, remember to trust the promise of God that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness because of Christ. So, yeah, I, I just encourage you guys. Maybe some of you need to confess something specific to a spouse or a friend Maybe ask a brother or sister to, to be a sort of accountability partner where you consistently 
check in on each other, um, talk about how you're doing spiritually. Um, maybe there's sin that maybe you realize like, man, I need to look more carefully at my own heart and thought life and confess the sin to God and confess the sin to a, to a close brother or sister. Um, whatever it may be, I encourage you guys to, to, to not just, not just like let this lesson wash over you without application, but to, to try to, to walk in these things. So, Good. I was wondering if you could yeah. mention something that's helpful for both of us with the Ten Commandments and the what does it require and that we use in our app. Oh yeah, well yeah, that that's great. Thank you, Anna. Um, sometimes in our in our uh, quiet time, I'm just kidding. In our like personal <laughs> prayer, um, like we've been helped by the Westminster Confet the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism um, has. It'll, it'll go through the Ten Commandments and it says, what does this commandment require? What does this commandment forbid? And reading through that, and there's also a lot of proof text, but reading through that will bring to mind, help bring to mind more specific sins that I'm just not even aware of. So that can be helpful to, um, to, to meditate on and pray through. Um, that's what Anna's getting at. Yeah, thank you, Anna. Um, let, me, let me close this in prayer. Father, we, we praise you that we have been by faith, um, that we are saved uh, by your grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that we can have assurance of pardon through him. Um, we, we thank you that though our sin is deeper than we even know, we are more sinful than we even yet understand and yet your mercy is greater. Um, you, you have um, shown yourself to be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus and we praise you for that. Let this motivate us to confess our sins to you um, and to confess our sins to one another um, and all the while be humbled by that and more grateful for the salvation that we have in Christ. May we be those who walk in humility and confession and in the joy of our salvation. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.